This is Ando with Tulsa Lines with another episode podcast. Uh, this time we got to sit down with DJ No Name. We got to chop it up with him about his music, his photography, and all else, everything DJ No Name. So listen up, give us a like, make sure you share it, and here we go. All right. Here we go. Tulsa Lines podcast, DJ No Name. Yes, sir. Go ahead, introduce the people, let them know your accolades, oh, everything. Man. Oh, man. DJ No Name. Born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, of course. Raised in Dallas, moved back about 10 years ago, going on 11 or something like that. Uh, I'm fairly new to producing and DJing. I'm going on like year number three. So I'm still fairly new to the game. So how did you come up with the name DJ No Name? Uh, there was a 420 show going on at Sound Pony. My cousin was on the bill. I wish I could remember who the DJ was for that. Now, I have an idea who it was, and I actually need to reach out to him because I want to thank him. And he couldn't make it last minute. And my cousin just looked at me. He's like, yo, you can DJ for me. And he said it as if I was doing it forever. And I was like, no, nah, I don't like how am I supposed to be doing that? And he was telling me just push the button, watch my, follow my lead, this that, whatever. And then um, uh, Burns was emceeing that night, and he was like, "Y'all give it up." <clears throat> and then they made some cheers, and he came and he's like, "Yo, what's your name?" And I felt like the pressure was on me to, to come up with something right then and there in front of everybody. So I was like, I'm scrambling. I go, uh, "DJ No Name," because I didn't know what to call myself. And he busts out laughing, and he says it on the uh, mic, and everybody was laughing, like, oh, that's really his name or whatever, and just ran with it. Oh. So why do you spell it like you do? Because uh, every other way that people spell it wrong, it's already taken. Mm. And I like the way I like the way things are spelled with a period. I feel like it makes a statement. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you spent your early years in Dallas. Uh, what did you learn from living there? That's an incredible question. Because the thing is, the things that I do now, I wasn't doing that down there at all. Like I was just working. Did school, I did uh, college out there for a couple of years too. Outside of that, it did like, it's apples and oranges, like mm-hmm. night and day. Like I did none of the no, things that I'm doing down here. I did none of that down there at all. Were there any like local Dallas artists that you listen to or even keep up with now? Uh, growing up, it was DSR. Mm-hmm. Dang. Not necessarily now. Mm-hmm. It's more on the indie side, like uh, psychedelic, rock, pop. Like that's like that Dallas scene I'm more familiar with, not necessarily the rap scene. Okay. But I feel like I know they doing their thing. I just don't pay attention to them like like I need to. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel you. So when you moved to Tulsa, were you listening to, to Tulsa artists already? Nope. My cousin put me on just about just about everybody. He was bringing me around everybody, and I was just paying attention to everything. And then outside of that, when I was watching a lot of performances. After that, I'll go back and do my homework, 
see what they had and then just go from there. So that's how I got familiar with the scene. Okay. Speaking of musical, speaking of family, you come from a musical family. Can you explain explain that that family musical tree? Oh man, you did your homework, Ando. And uh, that's which is funny because a lot of people didn't believe me, so I stopped talking about it. But uh, my father and uh, two of his brothers, my uncles, they had a group called Mason, and they were signed to uh, Electra. And they did an album. They didn't do too good in the states, but they did better overseas. And they were performing out there and things like that. They only did one album. And my grandfather was their manager. So when you were coming up in that household, was there a lot of different type of music? Well, maybe percent. No matter uh, what side of the family, my, no matter if it was my mother or my, or my father. Uh, the thing, but the funny thing about that was, as musically inclined everybody was on my father's side, like literally, um, basically every family member does something music related. And I didn't know at the time more than what I know now, but it was more about the ear for me. Mm. But I didn't know that at the time because everybody was like, oh, okay, so what you doing? I'd be like, I just listen to music. Mm. Like I didn't play anything. I did percussion in middle school. I just wasn't feeling that. Other mm. than that, I was just listening to a lot of stuff. That's, that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. Like your, your family lineage, um, just how you found your own lane yep. and you started DJing. So now that you're into DJing, what did you learn about DJing that you didn't think was, you didn't know at the time was going to be as hard to learn? Crowd control. Mm. And being yourself while reading the crowd, like uh, I don't play, I don't do the top 40, top 100. Mm. I play what I want to play. Mm. And at the same time, I'm paying attention to the demographic that's in my surroundings. So I'll sprinkle something like what they may, well, I think they may listen to or this, that, and the third. So it's, it's mainly just that. Okay. Yep. Reading the crowd, crowd control. Okay. And also like you're a person who has many different hats. Yes. You also do photography. How did you get into photography? It was one of those things that uh, I didn't see it in myself. Uh, others saw it in me. Mm. So that's where Black Moon plays a part. Mm. If it wasn't for Black Moon, I would be nowhere near where I'm at right now. And which people don't know about because that was way before the whole DJ No Name thing that mm. made DJ No Name possible through mm. photography. How did you find your style of photography? When I was, well, I'm still doing it as a hobby. When I knew, I knew it was a hobby. I knew I wasn't doing it uh, necessarily like, uh, I was just doing it for the fun of it and I knew I enjoyed it. I, I, uh, I loved doing it. And then when I knew I could turn it into something, that's when my, the light bulb hit and I just took off with it. But as far as my style goes, it's just, I don't even know how to explain it. Cause it's like, you know, it's more on the candid end, like, I'm taking pictures of like random objects and how I see it, things like that. So I wouldn't know how to necessarily explain it or label it. That's true. That's true. I think a big look for your photography is when it, it was featured in the New York Times. Can you talk about that process? How did how did your your work get into their hands? It was one of those things around that time I was taking a break from photography. Felt like I was uh, having an overload and I felt like it wasn't being natural and organic. 
So it was around that time I took a break and actually it was around Juneteenth and I was actually picking up assignments and things like that. And shout out to my man who I call No Jackson. He's been working with New York Times for some time and he actually was getting the assignment and he threw the bug in dude's ear from New York Times like, yo, I got somebody who's actually on the scene, who's actually from there, who can do the job. And then it was basically me and him on assignment. Mm -hmm. so I was about, it was about, I want to say five days, mm -hmm. five to seven day assignment. Yeah. Dope. So, uh, what do you feel like the next goal for your photography is? Oh, wow. I need that, uh, that the Pulitzer, mm -hmm. is, that, is that, I need that one, that, that, I need that one, Facts. that level. So when it comes to being invited to some of the most exclusive grand openings, some of the most exclusive soft openings, you've been on the guest list. Mm -hmm. How did you get invited to these <clears throat> places? And how did you, uh, how did you learn it, how to get into these like exclusive like restaurant openings? We were just talking about this. <laughs> Give y'all context. We at the headquarters, Colab headquarters. My man Andy Gray in the cut, and we were just talking about that this morning. Uh, shout out to Yelp. I got put on through them. I don't know how I got invited because I don't remember being that active. I got invited to a an event from the elite, which is a, a group of members who are actually active on the app and get busy. And then I went to a, a one exclusive event. It was a piece of spot. They were STGs at the time. And they were just getting exclusive looks at like menus, pizzas, what they're doing seasonal, what they're about to bring to the city, this, that, and the third. And I'm soaking up all this game like, oh, okay, well, I already love, I already love food. So if I'm soaking up the game like that and I could turn this into something, I mean, why not? And I've been doing it for, I'm like going on year number eight with them. So like, yeah, I've been, I've been with them go, taking it serious or in the sense of like that. Yeah, I'm going like on year number eight. But it's fun, but it's fun though. I mean, taking it serious as if learning the game, it's still fun to me to do that. So if you had to pick a, a place for a first date to impress someone, where would you, where would you go? Bull in the alley. Mm. Explain that a little bit. It's in the cut. It's it, like it's just one of those things. Like, I actually I got two places, but the first one is that because just the appearance of it, especially if you're out of town, you have no idea what it is, and you're bringing them to it, and then you're like literally in the alley, and all of a sudden there's this door, and it just opens up to this whole other world. Like what the? And then the place is like super dim. It's like super chill, and like that, and. uh Definitely booing the alley. Number two though, I got I got a second one though, the tavern. Mm -hmm. Not but not just the tavern. When you can eat in the actual kitchen, and there's a table right by the window, and the kitchen's behind you, and the people are getting busy. So one of them places. Damn. Downtown, you can't. So it's like, <laughs> and you know, you downtown. So once you're done with everything, you go get a ice cream or something. Mm -hmm. Go see Guthrie, go to Guthrie Green or. Like Wall Street or something like that. Wow, that's that's crazy. You said in the kitchen, getting watching everybody get busy. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Godfather. Exactly. You're also a coffee aficionado. 
Oh man, shout out to my coffee lover. <laughs> see the shirt. Coffee champs, Western Conference. Thanks. Shout out to Deadstock. Deadstock Coffee. You collaborated with Topeka. Mm-hmm. You had your own bag. Mm -hmm. How did this come about? Once again, Black Moon, the owner of Topeka, shout out to Chip. He's really, he really invested uh, his time and things and resources and things like that uh, with Black Moon. And one of the projects is that they did a, we did a, uh, all did a coffee together, and I was actually there, being hands on with a, a couple of other members. Well, and I was part of the cupping. So looking at the beans, smelling them, tasting them, uh, how to put them together, this, that, and the third. And I was just so into it. And the thing was, I wasn't into coffee as much at the time. And so I picked up a job and I worked in the kitchen and they were serving coffee. And I just got familiar with the game because my sleeping schedule was off at the time. And I had no choice. Well, I didn't really have no choice, but I was like, well, I'm at a coffee shop. Let me try coffee for once, and I had a cold brew. Mm. And I thought having a cold brew was an oxymoron. I thought you're supposed to drink coffee hot. Yeah. You know, I was ignorant to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it actually worked, and I'm like, oh, okay. Well, this is a cold brew. Let me see what a pour over does. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Let me see what it, and then I started learning the game about coffee, and then it just went from there. Damn, so you talking about real coffee. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you're all, you also have more things in your tool set. Another being your sneaker head. Oh uh, yeah, I get bit. Well, I mean the sneaker head, the label. I mean I don't know. I leave that to the people to call me that. I just love sneakers. So, you got your own show with Seriously K Five called Soul Collection. How did you get into sneakers? That's a uh, that's a layered question, so I'm gonna have to break it down. Okay, so when I was a child, on my mom's side, uh, my uncle and my cousin, <clears throat> they used to get everything. They used to get all the sneakers. I couldn't wear their stuff, but I uh, I was closer to size with my cousin because he was the one who had all the cool clothes and stuff, and like you waiting for him to pass it down. Mm -hmm. So he had all the cool kicks, and then my uncle did too. And my uncle, he was the one who had the uh, the fire ass shoes, but he was hooping in them. Mm -hmm. He was a hooper. So you know, East Bay days, you circling, checking out, like, yo, this is what I do with this. I put this. In. So it was, it was more like with that as a child. And then when I got older, I was getting my own money. I was working at Six Flags, and then every check, I was like, every check, I'm getting a pair of kicks. So I was learning that way too, and I was going, I was going crazy with Air Force Ones mm -hmm. and things like that. Fast forward to 2015, and the only reason why I know this year specifically is because uh, both of my brothers at the time stayed in Oklahoma City, and they told me about the Nike outlet out there. Mm -hmm. The job I was working at, uh, uh, the way my schedule was working, I was like, okay, I could just go down there to Oklahoma City, right the street or whatever. And they had my all-time favorite Jordans up there. So when I went up there, I was like, uh, you know what? There's a whole bunch of them. I'm going to come back in two weeks and then grab some. So you know what happened, right? Mm -hmm. I come back two weeks later, and it's no longer there. Yeah. And I, like, I was hurt from that moment forward. And I was figuring out the game, like, just studying from that moment forward. 
And then fast forward now, me being a silhouette, and it's like the information is just overload, right? It's just out of this world. It's crazy. Yeah. So, how do you feel about people who, you know, just, you know, buy and flip versus really are involved in the culture? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to sneakers. At first, I didn't understand. I was ignorant to it. I thought it was, I didn't get it. And I thought it was dumb. And then, one of the things I learned about that is what I got from Silhouette too. Like I understood the game. And then it was just like, I mean, get your coins. That's how I feel, just get your coins and, cause it's already a hassle just to get shoes as is, especially certain kinds. So yeah, just get your coins, fam. Yep. Do you have one shoe that you would never sell? Oh, I'm going through that right now, literally. Yeah, if the, uh... oh, and that's another thing too. Let me tell you that right quick. So I used to be a 10 and a half, but now I'm a nine. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna tell you why. I used to be close to 200 pounds and then I lost weight and I lost about 30, 35 pounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, my shoe size changed like drastically. So a majority of my collection, I can't fit no more. So I'm trying. I get. I'm getting rid of some. I'm selling some. But there's like a couple that I want to hold on to for memory's sake. And one of them is the day I sold Dunks. Yeah, I got. I don't. I can't get rid of them. Crazy sneaker game. So we we gonna get back into the music though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, what inspired you to do projects with artists? Just these collab, you know. You want to call them EPs, just you and the artist locked in. One artist, you the only producer, mm -hmm. one tape. How how did that come about? I was studying. Uh, I was studying Alchemist. I was studying. I was studying Alchemist and DJ Mugs. Around the time I was dropping stuff, and around that time, they was dropping heavy, solely produced projects with one artist. And I, I wasn't even thinking about producing, that's the thing. I was DJing, but I wasn't thinking about producing. And I just always had it in mind. I was like, yo, if I always wanted to do that, I would do that with this artist, this artist, this artist, this is how it sound, this, that, and the third. And every time Alchemist would drop something, me and Tone would talk about it. And then Tone was like, yo, you need to get on these loops. You need to get on these loops, because he knows what type of stuff I listen to. And then the rest was history. I mean, I want to say, your actual catalog is history is is classic because like you you saying your first your first collab tape was with King Cut Snacking mm -hmm. with Flavor mm -hmm. classic still listen to it. Thank you. There's so many other legendary artists. I mean, we talk about first verse. You got. I mean, <laughs> I feel like you got pay coming. I know that's in the oh, chamber. It's, oh, it's coming. That's in the chamber. Oh, it's coming. You know what I'm saying? You also, man, you, you had. Uh, Did you see him before that? Sound? Oh, I didn't no. see. It. That, I, I seen the clip. Oh, okay, everybody was going okay, crazy. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it was really like crazy. crazy. I seen the clip. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, man, you know what I'm saying? You got the baby on the tape. We're putting that on stream. What's been your favorite project? So far, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, man, I'm trying. 
tripping. Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Young Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why is that? I knew he can rap. I don't think people knew. I think people were aware that he raps. Mm. I didn't think there was a he, that he can actually yeah. rap. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, yo, let's do this. I knew what he can do. I was more, uh, I'm glad he rolled with the beats. I sent him but wanted him to go over along with the concept and thing. And it just all worked well together. And like I said, once again, Cole Love, he was in there with the design and cassette tape. It just made history from there. Yeah. So, have you ever sent a pack of beats that maybe somebody's like, nah, I don't really mess with this one, or, you know, this ain't my style? Oh, one million percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and those are And those are the people that make me better. And I actually uh, mentioned one, Sneak. Sneak would let me know. He'd be like, nah. Nah. Or he'd be like, yo, can you, what if it, or make it longer, uh, one of you add a piece of the uh, sample, like, right here, and then put it back in, like, Sneak was the only person probably who had me going back to better myself. Sorry, like, he'll fuck with it, but then he'll be like, yeah, add this, or be like, can you stand this part right here, or is that a third? So, yeah. I feel like some, some of your beats, like, you wouldn't actually think of hearing the artist on this actual beat, which is so crazy. Have yeah. you ever had to, like, really, like, convince somebody, like, nah, I know this ain't in your wheelhouse, but trust me, trust the process. You know? Nah, it's the opposite. It's more like they, the artist, understands why I said it's more like that because I've studied all these individuals like way before I was even DJing like I, I, like I said I studied basically from the moment I moved back down here from Dallas so it's like it's already I already knew what to send verse I already knew what to send tone I already knew what to send Bambi I already knew what to send Sir Mike you know what I mean and uh nah other than that it was just like more of somebody being like sneak one having me better myself with what I presented I feel like when you're picking these samples, like you're digging in the crates. Like there's sounds, <laughs> there's different, they take you back, and then there's also sounds like I've never heard this. Where do you get this music? Where you, did you get it when you're growing up, or was it more or less you just, you know, you find something in the record store and somebody do it? Like, you know? Nah, I definitely grew up both sides of the family once again. You know, my father's side was the one getting busy with the instruments, so my mom's side was more here. My mom listened to everything. My cousin had every album existing, and I'm not over exaggerating. He had his terabytes of music saved, like crazy. And it was just, and I was one of those cats that, like, I saved up lunch money and then go to Target on Tuesdays when new albums were released, and it was $10.80. And I was the, like, I was the one reading the books, like, when I'm listening to the track, I'm like, okay. Who produced, who makes it master. Oh, if this was sample, and then when I'm looking at the samples, I'm go I'm searching the samples. So then I'm searching the artist and I'm searching the discography and I'm like just going deep. And that's how I'm li like I'm li like if you would have asked me who did I sample, so I'm not gonna be able to tell you because I listen to so much music. So I'm just digging and digging and digging and digging and just going there. 
Because you have a track that you produce that like people don't know how intricate it is, how many different sounds you had to put, or, you know, just how many times you had to use the chord or something. I have a full circle moment, kind of in a way that um, it was unintentional. So, <clears throat> one of the main spots for hip hop down here was Hibiscus. You remember Hibiscus? Yeah. So, if I'm not mistaken, this is around the time how Tone and Verse got kind of familiar with each other. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And the beat I did on Because on Little Tulsa, the song is called Hibiscus, has Tone and Verse on it. Mm -hmm. And it was very unintentional until I heard uh, a podcast episode. I cannot remember whose episode it was. They mentioned how they did stuff at Hibiscus, mm -hmm. like like hip, like musically. Mm -hmm. So like how all that came together, that was like crazy. So for somebody to know the story behind that and how it came together, it was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And snack, and like snack, the whole snack of a flavor thing was so crazy too, because that didn't start off as an album. That was Kino's series. Mm -hmm. That's his YouTube series. Yeah. It just so happened. That, yeah, that, that whole thing was crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. like, how did Snacking With Flavor actually come about? So I recorded a couple of his episodes. I was a guest on uh, a couple of his episodes. And then at the time, I was doing a, a special with my photos. And this is the time I was doing, I was, I was chopping up and doing stuff. But the only person I was sending to was Tone. Mm -hmm. So, Kino got familiar with me doing beats through Tone. Mm -hmm. So, when we were doing a shoot, we were doing a couple of shoots. And uh, I started sending him beats. And he was fucking with it. And then I kept sending them and sending them, And then it just went from there. And then we did a, uh, there was a, an event at Silhouette. It was on it was on a January. And time is flying. I wanna say it was 2020, maybe. And uh Kino was like, yo, let me holler at you. And we go to the back and he starts rapping the intro to me. Mm -hmm. Over the like he plays the beat and I'm like, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> and he starts rapping it to me. And I'm here, I'm like, oh shit, this is really happening. Damn. And yeah, the rest was history. Nice. Yep. I feel like that's well, your classic tapes, Thank you. Uh, even like yeah, Dr. No, I think that was classic tapes as well. Thank you. <laughs> you got a lot of classics, and you can see your evolution mm -hmm. of your uh, of your skill set. While we've been in this pandemic, have you been going and kind of bettering, getting more in your tool set, sharpening your skills? One million percent. I've been studying a lot of, uh, I've been studying Alchemist a lot, Mad Lib, Knowledge. I've been going back, I'm real big on podcasts. I've been going back to a lot of their interviews and just making sure I'm not just mimicking them. I'm just making it my own thing and just going from there. And it helps me 
expand my area even more on who to search as far as uh, music goes. Like different artists, different sounds and things like that. Yeah, so definitely. And me and Kino talk about that all the time. Like, I listen to my old stuff and I listen to my new stuff now. I was like, you can just hear the drastic difference. Like, by a landslide. Like, sometimes it's hard for me to even listen to my debut album. Like, it's kind of it's kind of cringe like compared to the stuff I have out now but I was like that just showed me my growth and I love it yeah, I feel like it's definitely a timeline and it's always you can go back to it you know who knows hopefully we get a snagging with flavor too oh no no oh, yeah. oh no it's very clear there is going to be a follow-up to snagging with flavor right? let's be very clear I'm about to uh I'm about to be on my executive producer right now on it on his next project and then we're gonna see where it does but. Because the next joint he gonna drop is gonna be crazy. So how do you decide who to collab with? Damn, that's a good question. It's basically who I just who I just been um, listening to, basically, and who I rock with. It, it it goes it goes hand in hand with that, and I just go from there. And uh, I'm open to work with anybody because there is plenty of there's a lot of artists who I sent beats to that that stuff hasn't dropped yet. So there's a lot in the chamber too, for mm. sure. That's, you bring up a great point though. There's a lot of artists in Tulsa. There's a lot of artists that want to get that that sound. Yep. You know. So, have you ever had a time where it just wasn't the right time for the specific artist to work with you? Like maybe they haven't put in enough work. Maybe just maybe you just wasn't even the right time because the way that you your schedule worked out. I haven't. I don't. Uh, thinking about it off top, I haven't ran across that. Cause not necessarily. I'm not. I don't necessarily put it. Uh, base it off of the work you put in. Cause I already. I already already sensed that. I already mm -hmm. already did my homework for me to start sending stuff out to you. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. No, I haven't really ran across anything like that, or like anybody approaching me, and I'm like, nah, do this, that, and the third, and I get back to you type thing. Mm -hmm. I'm more. I'm more excited when people reach out to me because I'm open to send you whatever. I'm not. I haven't turned down anybody. So you also collab with other producers mm -hmm. like on Split Tape mm -hmm. with Malomat or on Two Week Notice, K5. Yep. What's the importance of these collaborations? Bettering each other. Demographics. Showing uh, their listeners what they can do. And like my listeners what they can do type thing. It's just about, it's just about collaboration. I think I'm very good at collaborating in a sense because I like it to benefit both parties and I like it to branch out to being like, damn, they really did that? Well, maybe I can do that too with such and such or things like that. It's all about inspiration and inspiring, planting the seed. And I think I'm just really good at that. So can you kind of talk about just how instrumental music has evolved for you? How's it, how, how did you really kind of get involved to listening to that? Maybe even house music, someone say. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, blogging helped out a lot with that. When I opened up my ear to listening to a lot of music, and you know how Spotify has that that rap at the end, like when it's so man, I listen to so much music. Like seriously, it's like I think it's like I feel like I'm just studying. I'm just. I think it's, it's just that. I'm really studying all of these sounds, all of these artists, and it just keeps going and going and going and going. 
So who's in your top five for Spotify Raptor 2021? It was <laughs> it was it was me and the artists I worked with by okay. default. Nice. Yeah. Nice. If you were to go outside of that and leave yourself out and those artists out, who would be on that list? Who was on my Spotify? Let's see. Alchemist, I know Alchemist was on there. Westside Gun was on there. Somebody I was jamming like nonstop, probably ten to Teddy Pendergrass or something like that. But it was like it was a mix between that. I couldn't tell you. I listen, I listen to like uh, like a lot, <laughs> a lot. Gosh. Just getting back to your music. Mm -hmm. Most of your music isn't on the street. Yeah. Why is that? I'm real big on direct to consumer. I'm more about uh, being very direct with the person who's supporting me compared to it just being widely available to everybody in a sense. Uh, Cause like when somebody buys my stuff off Bandcamp it shows me who bought it. And I actually reach out to these people like, yo, thank you for purchasing it. Cause they didn't have to. They could have spent that on like a meal or something. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm real big on person to person. And that's why I tell you. So if you see my stuff on streaming, it's because the artist took it, uh, wanted to, which I don't trip off of. Or we intentionally been like, nah, we could just put it on streaming along with everybody else. So we give you an option, be like, you can be on the DSPs or you can buy it off Bandcamp. Okay. So how do you feel about, like, do you feel like not having your project on streaming hurts it? Nah. I don't, I don't care for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It ain't, that, it ain't that deep with me. So nah, I don't, nah. I know. I mean, it doesn't. I know it doesn't hurt putting it on there. But I just. I don't care for it that much. I rather. Mm -hmm. I rather just be my website or just something like Bandcamp, mm -hmm. even SoundCloud. I really uh, slow down, but even something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, have you had a project that surprised you? Whether it was sold on, you know, independently on your site or free through DSPs. Is there a project that surprised you? Like, man, I didn't know this one was going to be that good. It was gonna do this well. This many people were listening to it. All right, so I got two answers for that. So uh, DJ No Name presents Trey Quan. Somebody, um, somebody purchased it, and then when I saw the amount, I hit homie up. I was like, "Yo, was that an error? Did you need me to shoot you some of that bad?" He's like, "Nah, that's the price I meant. To, that's the amount I meant to send you." I'm like, "Fuck, okay, bet." So it was like one of those moments like, yo, you don't just put that amount out just to be putting it out. Like you must really fuck with what I'm presenting, what I'm part of for you to put that amount out. So it was like one of those. And then uh, I don't think I've got as much attention as I did uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm. Like for real, like I think that's the most attention I've got uh, by all means. And then actually I got a third, uh, <clears throat> third situation. Uh, water is wet. I didn't. Uh, that joint sold out not even in six hours. 
Yeah. No promo. No promotion. Definitely. Yeah, I remember that. Little to no promotion. We didn't even have a time set when we was gonna release it. We woke up and it was like, "Yo, it's just uploaded." Natty opened it, uh, uploaded it. It was going crazy. It was going crazy. It was going crazy. Didn't think nothing of it. Uh, went to the band camp, uh, hit the refresh, and that joint said sold out. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> hit the group chat. I was like, "Yo, we did it." That was crazy, but that was crazy. I just never would have thought at that man. I knew I knew it would have sold out. I didn't know it would have sold out that fast. So yeah, it would have been those moments for sure. Okay, I feel like you also kind of like bring out the best in artists, and also like there's artists who I feel like have been on hiatus, and you bring them back to life. Mm, mm. You have an artist that you feel like you just like, you know. You knew that they 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 had this genius in them, but they just for some reason they've been out the game, and you kind of brought them back. This was their resurrection. This was their you know reintroduction. The only moment I've had close to that was with verse, because this is around VXF. So, and before that, he hasn't dropped anything. I, I want to say in seven years. Mm. So. What's wild about that is during that time frame, me and Verse have built a, like a friendship for real. Like we started knowing each other personally. And when I found out what was going on in the sense of why he wasn't doing music, it made me understand more and how more of the importance was the album he ended up dropping. Mm -hmm. So around that time, I was always trying to throw a bug in his ear, like, yo, you should keep the freestyle to this, just to remind people you can rap this, that, and third. And this, I'm say, this is way before I was even DJing. And then it just came back full circle how we started working. I just hit him, I was like, yo, what kind of zone you in? And he told me. And I sent him the beast, and he quit it. And I was I never would have thought in a million years I would have did a project with Burst because I know how Burst moves, especially when it comes to music. And when he was moving at that magnitude, because when he started dropping other projects as well, and I was like, you know, so it was like I don't think I brought anybody out of high, out of high means. It was just one of those moments, especially with him. So I know how he moves. We a lot of us know how he moves musically, and. He was actually with it, and then we just dropped. No promotion. We dropped. Like, he announced it the night it dropped. And just went from there. Which was one of those streaming moments. Like I said, it was one of those moments. Like, we chopped it up. We was like, no, I was like, yeah, we're going to put on streaming. And then... Yeah. So, can you kind of describe some of your song structure? Because I feel like when it comes to, you know, a normal song, it's like, you know... Two sixteens, three sixteens, and then you know you have your chorus, maybe hook, bridge. You gotta describe how you make your uh, produce. So when it when it comes to the what I choose to chop up, I have to know it right when I hear it. And a lot of times it's either that or I'll, I'll come across it and I hear it differently another time around, and I'll do something to it. And then uh, with it. With the, uh, depending on if it's like a two bar, four bar, eight bar loop, it's, based on, it's how I base it on the time length, but I always want to keep them short. Unless it's one of those joints, like for instance, uh, Creamy Raymond. Like the build up, 
the way uh, the way it uh, the way it chops, and then when it goes into the next artist, they have that little small build up, and then after the second after uh, Kino's verse. You know, Jimmy Joe added the piano, the, the, the melody right there before Teddy also went off. So it's just like one, it's just, it's just a feeling. Well, most of the time, I keep them short because I just want you to get your raps off, raps off and then you just go to the next joint and keep it moving. Yeah. Even up, so on your tapes, I noticed that you even kind of get in on it as far as, you talk that talk. <laughs> you know, you, you talk that talk on it. Can you kind of... Talk about like your first time you decided to kind of get on the track. It's a great question. It takes a lot for me to do that. Uh, I try to find ways to break out of my shell in the sense of showing more of my, just showing more of myself. Cause I'm really behind the scenes. I don't like showing myself like that. I rather my work just do all the talking. I know at times it doesn't hurt to to poke my head out. You know the element of surprise is what I'm all about. And yeah, it just. It's just one of those things. So it, it, it's just one of those moments, like uh, the one joint I did, uh, Till Death Do Us Part, I spoke yeah, on the intro on that one, and that was me. I literally did that for myself, because I do be having moments where I feel like I want to stop and not do it no more, and it's like, I'd be like, yo, you tripping, like, snap out of the trail. Like, so like, it'd be like one of those moments. So you, you worked with a lot of talent artists. Do you have any plans to work with any artists in OKC or any other surrounding areas? One million percent. One million percent. One, actually, before Snacking With Flavor, me and Tone did Halftime. When people who found out I did Halftime, uh, I started chopping it up with Grand. Mm -hmm. So Grand was going to be one of the first people that was going to drop something with me too. And then he started cooking up his other stuff and he started getting into the films. Yeah. So I already knew how that was. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was gonna come around. It's gonna come around. It's definitely gonna come around though. And uh, McCain, of course, he was mm -hmm. originally supposed to be on my debut album, and I dropped the ball because I didn't tell him the deadline. Mm -hmm. We definitely gonna come up with something. Uh, I'm trying to get in contact with Thomas Who, Beanie Man. Who else? While while you got me on wax, okay, see Beanie Man. Mm -hmm. I already got a I already got a joint out with Stutter Butter. It's on Bandcamp right now called To the Nines. Y'all check that out. Oh, why am I drawing a blank? There's a, there's there's more than a few people I definitely want to work with out in OKC and the surrounding cities for sure, for sure. Facts. So you remember a time when you're when an artist sent you know the, the track back to you that you was just listening to the track and they said something crazy where you just had to stop. You couldn't listen to it anymore. Mm. The paid album, mm. the unreleased joint, cause paid talking that talk, mm. like he's talking that talk. So I'll say something that's unreleased. Okay. Yeah, we gonna we definitely on the lookout for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's talking <laughs> that talk for real. So can you talk a little bit about okay number one? Yep. Tina, she's an artist based out of Tulsa. She connected me with Lucas, who is the owner of the spot when it was out on 11th Street. 
it used to be like a storefront slash they used to do videos out of there and things like that. And then when the pandemic hit, they had to shut that down. He was trying to figure out how to utilize it. And then he was like, yo, I'm thinking about doing a community radio. Um, I'll keep in touch with you. I don't even think it was two weeks. He got he just so magically had a hookup on the antenna. And he just went from there. He was like, Y'all got the antenna, let me know when you're ready to uh, when you ready to to do your thing. And I was like, How soon? And he was like, Whenever. And then the rest was history. And then I knew I had to get a couple of shows under my belt before I started going wild, because I already knew my intention for OK Number One was not even for me to play. I just knew I can be like, yo, this can be done. Look how I'm representing music. Like, it's, uh, it's raw, it's uncut. We're playing whatever we want to play. And then when I knew it was gather, uh, gaining a traction, I was like, well, if y'all think I'm doing something, well, let me show y'all one of OD. Let me show y'all Sir Mike. Let me show y'all K5. And then I just started getting the homies on who really get busy and like to do their thing. And then I fell back and I was like, yo, just let me put, get people on board. I got a fist to face up there. Uh, man, uh, I'm just drawing a blank. We really got busy and he was like, Yo, how does you being a program manager sound? I was like, shit, it sound like music to my ears. And then went, went from there. Now we at the new location. Mm -hmm. Yeah, making history, man. It's, it's crazy. You guys have any events coming up there that you're planning? Man, we got, it's so much stuff. I can't even keep up, honestly. Mm -hmm. If it's not an art gallery, an art exhibition, um, a live performance, a radio show, there's no talent, but it's definitely, the calendar is full. For sure. What's the, what's the hardest part about being a program manager? I would just say timing, like being punctual, making sure everything is just like set up and stuff like that. Just making sure business is being handled, basically. Because you're not representing only yourself, you're representing other people as well. So you just want to make sure things are done right to the best degree. Facts. Handling the business overall, basically. Yeah, I feel like No Name Radio, that was, that's a classic moment. And like, one of those nostalgic moments was when Steph Simon uh, went up to the station, did the classic freestyles. It kind of felt like a hot 97, uh, stretching, bobito kind of mm -hmm. moment. Can that was the point. That was the describe whole point. that one. How did that come about? Yep, that was the whole point. So... I really don't remember. Wow. Actually, he was actually um, kicking some freestyles because he was doing a tour. And he was actually kicking freestyles. I really don't remember. He was, I know, I just know he was kicking freestyles. I mentioned something to him. And then he was like, well, we can just do it at the station. I wasn't even thinking that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, well, shit. We just line, and then we just lined it up and went from there. Uh, we picked the beats. He was kicking, he was kicking them to me. And I was like, yo, this is really, it was like one of those moments, like, yo, this is really about to happen. That's what all I have in mind, Hot 97, like those, that, that era. Mm -hmm. That's why I be dropping the flex bomb like that. Yeah. Take it back to the essence, and then uh, yeah, just went from there. And we we, we recorded that too. I got the uh, I got the file. We trying to figure out what to do with it. 
Yeah, that's gonna be classic. Do you have any intentions of doing another one? I did another one with Burns, with the uh, Home Furniture Nothing Older Than 1977. We did one. I we was definitely gonna. Uh, I was definitely trying to make that into a series, and I wanted to have it organically. So it'd be it'd be one of those things like it'll probably continue. It'll just be like here and there. It won't be like a, a like a consistent. So when it comes to the topic of freestyle. You know, there's a lot of discussion of, like, if it's written, it's not a freestyle. Correct. Tell me, tell me your opinion on that. Oh man. I, I thought, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought the freestyle is just literally off the top of your, like, the top of your head is not written down. While at the same time, I can see why if something written down would be considered a freestyle as well. So I don't. I gotta understand both sides. Both sides of the uh, both sides of the coin. My initial thought is just something simply off the top. Mm -hmm. But and then that's the thing. A lot of times, I would call something freestyle, even though if the artist I worked with wrote, uh, wrote it down, mm -hmm. I guess it's more like a feeling, especially when it comes to me when titling stuff. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I'm I'm like back and forth on that. My initial thought when I hear stuff like that, though, is like, yeah, off top. Off top. Yeah. Okay. Another touchy subject is rapping over your lyrics. Oh, the show. Man. Can you talk about that? I know that's... A... <laughs> How do you feel about artists who rap over their lyrics? I think I just want people who do that to pay attention to that. Because it is really taken away from you. Just pay attention to that more. Cause I don't, I didn't, I, I, I already knew people were doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't realize how often I wasn't paying attention to it. Mm -hmm. And so I started paying attention to mm -hmm. it. And I, and then I just started listening to stuff different. I was like, man, I got to chill on that. Mm -hmm. Y'all got to chill on that. Cause it really takes away from you. So y'all got to just pay attention to that more. Mm -hmm. I definitely not trying to hear you rap, go over your vocals. Okay. So when you're DJing these sets, what's, Probably some of the most challenging parts of DJing these sets. Are you talking about performances or just when I'm just? Oh, just, oh, oh I'm talking about performance more when you're uh, when you're DJing for for a, a rapper or a singer. Like, what's the challenging part of being a DJ right then and there in that moment? Cute. Not necessarily challenging. It's more about I'm making sure I'm paying attention to everything. So like cues, going to the next song. Letting something breathe so the artist can catch their breath or even talk to the crowd. Just more about re just paying attention, mm -hmm. being just really just studying the scene when you're at, like what's going on in that moment, based on art from artist to artist basis. Because you can't do the same thing with every artist. You just got to read the artist and your surroundings. So that's that's mm -hmm. the challenge, if anything. So which do you like better, being a DJ or being a producer? I would just say DJ off the strength of that because that jumped off the producing. Mm -hmm. I would say that. I don't think I don't think I would have been producing if it wasn't for DJ. If I I don't think I would have been producing if I wasn't DJing. Mm -hmm. The DJ helped me with the producing, mm -hmm. so I'll say DJing. I okay. can say DJing. 
I like a person's reaction too. I do like to see a person's reaction based off what I play and or what I do. I like that. I love that feeling. Can you maybe talk about a time where you introduced a crowd to a single or a song that they've ne you know that they never had, <laughs> they never heard. You know it. <laughs> you know. I got the perfect. I got the perfect story for that. So that event I was telling you about, we did Creamy Raymond that night. And the only people who knew about Creamy Raymond was Tone and Kino. Because when I played it, it starts for a minute with the build-up. And they recognized what it was. And they were the only two that got hyped. So the funny thing around that, I was paying attention. And everybody was just walking around getting their paid tea. Like, they kind of weren't paying attention to what was going on because they wasn't aware that they didn't know the song. Mm -hmm. So I kept that note. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, y'all doing that now. Watch when this project drops, mm -hmm. they're going to be saying something <laughs> different. So when Creamy Raymond actually dropped, mm -hmm. I saw the impact compared to that, compared to when we debuted it when they, was trying to, when they were performing it. Okay. So it was like, yeah, Creamy Raymond for sure. Okay. Do you have a song or album that you listen to that people wouldn't think you listen to? From what I what I done, yeah. Uh, ooh, talking about uh, listen just heavy. Yeah, just listen to it. It's like I don't, I didn't think he was. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe somebody that just knows you on the pure hip hop scene. They're like, oh, I didn't, he listens to this. I didn't know that. Like, ooh, but see, that's the thing. Like when it comes to that, uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. I don't know how I'm saying his name right, Idris. Idris is E Y E D R E S S. He's he's hard. Uh, men I trust. Uh, when it comes to that, I don't like to the um, do the what? Man, there's so much. But like, I like I like I really like indie pop, like stuff like that. I really like that. Uh, that type of music. Mm -hmm. I listen to Men I Trust a lot. Mm -hmm. And I got familiar with them maybe two years ago. But yeah, I say Men I Trust. They probably be like, yo, you listen to Men I Trust? Like, yeah, Men I Trust. How did you get, you know, exposed to that music? Blogging. Uh, mm -hmm. I want to say it was The Fader. Mm -hmm. I want to say it was just one of those moments I was on there. I was like, yo, it was this. And I listened to it. She was jamming. Did my homework. Went back. And then just followed it ever since. It was one of those situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So on March 3rd, you tweeted, <laughs> I thought I lost Yo, all of my beats. I'm having one of these moments. I was ready to retire from everything. Everything. I remember that what? night clear. I mean, it literally just happened. <laughs> so I was, what was that when it happened? What was that when it happened? I believe I was house sitting, I think. Or oh, I was at work or something. And I was like cleaning. Oh, that's what it was. My phone was like getting like full, like my memory and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I knew, and I knew for a fact with all that I do, most of that was uh, not necessarily unnecessary. But I was like, I don't necessarily need you in my phone, so let me get it out. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was cleaning stuff out, and I was going through my files to make sure I didn't have nothing I just didn't need. And that's where my joints is. And it went blank. And it said, back up doing something. And I was like, nah, fam, this ain't happening. So I closed it out, and I went back, and it did it again. 
and my heart dropped. I like I could toss my phone and I was like, nah, fam, this ain't happening. So I rebooted my phone, uh, rebooted or whatever, turned out, let it cook. And then I went back to my files and everything came back up. Mm. And I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> and literally, like, it, it, and after that happened, that's when I posted it. Like, I was, I was ready to retire, like, fam, because I don't think people understand how much, how many beats I have. Like, I have a ton of beats, and it was like, it wasn't, it would have been one, but it was kind of like one of those things, like, oh, this just means I'm gonna come back better than ever. While at the same time, I had, that was a lot of beats, fam. Okay. Uh, do you have any advice that you learned from that moment? Recognize the moment, soak it in, and then know that I have control over what you're gonna do about it. Are you gonna are you gonna soak in and cry about it or are you gonna fix it? Mm. So that's like at that same time, usually if this was like not even five years ago, I probably would have went crazy, like, oh it's the end, like I ain't I can't bounce back from this and I, I just sat back. I was like, you know what, this happened. I already know what I got on deck. I can either redo them and make them better, or I could just go for what I got in my stash that I still need to listen to and just come out with better stuff and come back better than never. Mm. And then when I had that mentality, I felt like I got rewarded for that, and then all my stuff came back. And I actually meant what I said. I wasn't even tripping in this, and I was like, I'm just gonna cook up more and do it even better. And then I got my stuff back, I was like, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So, do you have any, like, do you have any intentions of, like, duplicating some, uh, backing up more of your work now, or getting bigger hard drives? I thought about that. I did. It kind of made me like, yo, just make sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm under. I wonder if I do. Cause you know when we had the conversation about me retiring or whatever, like me being done, I was kind of like, cause like I said, I really wasn't tripping when I thought I lost all my files. I was wondering, was I ready to, in a sense, move on and start another chapter as far as producing goes? So. Mm. Okay. Shit, I got albums out, so they'll cook for me. Mm -hmm. Speaking of this next chapter, this next chapter of music, it seems to be, you know, you hear the buzzword NFT, mm -hmm. the blockchain. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? And are you, you know, dipping your foot into that? I'm still studying it. Uh, I have a grand idea of it. I, I, I feel like I do. I just need to I need to look into it more before I can dive into it. It's something I don't just want to dive into because everybody else is. I do want to do my due diligence and make sure I'm I'm recognizing what I'm doing before I jump into it. It definitely came across my mind for sure, mm -hmm. but it's something I really just can't speak on for right now. Mm -hmm. I think I do think with music NFTs can work very well. I'm just trying to figure out how can I use that to the like to the max and really benefit off something like that. Right. Yeah. So, we're just gonna get a little bit back into Tulsa, Oklahoma music. Mm -hmm. Who are your top five Oklahoma rappers? Verse. Well, you said you said Tulsa or Oklahoma. Oklahoma. It could be, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Muskogee, mm -hmm. <laughs> Enid, you know. Mm -hmm. Verse. Burns, McCain,
I can't even name two more. Because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, man, there's too many spitters. But when it comes to, to them raps, those three usually come to mind first. I'll keep it at those three. Okay. McCain, Burns, and Verse. Okay. You know, rap is a young man's game. Yep. Is there any young spitters out there that you know, that you see? Like, I see you out there. I see mm -hmm. what you're doing. I see, you know, maybe in the future we're going to work together. Wow. Who have I, who have I been chopping it up with? Jason Henley. Mm -hmm. Jason Henley be going hard. Cause there's so there's so many, but it's just like one of those. It's like one of those situations. So many you can't name them all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Because I I am paying attention to all, and I'm trying to pick pick and choose who I want to work with if it makes sense to them, and it's especially compared to their sound in comparison to who else I've already worked with. So I am trying to I am trying to work with those with the the younger artists as well. But uh, yeah, I really can't name that many off top. I listen to so many. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of them situations. That's that's fine. So who are your top five producers? Damn, this is crazy. Wow. Man, I grew up. Okay. Just Blaze. The Neptunes. I'm gonna have to say Mad Lib. I really studied Mad. I studied the shit out of Mad Lib. Just who I say, Just Blaze, Neptune, Neptune's, Mad Lib. Dumb. Just Blaze, Neptune's, Mad Lib. You know I'm gonna go with Kanye. I'm gonna say Kanye. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say Kanye. You know what? I'm just gonna throw it heat makers. Mm -hmm. Throw heat makers in there. Mm -hmm. I grew up. I grew up with all these all these producers. I grew up listening to, and study and recognize their their sound through and throughout. Cause I was like, I was thinking Timberland too. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I put Timberland in there because mm -hmm. I listened to yeah. I put Timberland. Uh, swap out uh, heat makers for Timberland. Mm -hmm. Legendary producers, two of them that kind of stick out to me is Kanye and Just Blaze. Mm -hmm. Kanye made the statement that basically Just Blaze copied his his style for the tape that they worked on together. Okay, how do you feel about that comment? Oh, which which one? I feel like it was the blueprint. I want to say I, I could be wrong. Nah, no, 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 not at all. Nah. No, 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 no,
you got that experience under your belt as a producer. What would you tell young producers trying to get in the game? Network. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. Trust your instinct. Mm -hmm. Trust your instinct. Go with your instinct. For real. Just, yeah, just those three. Network, but network is the biggest thing. Like, you can really get in, in the door with networking. And then if the, if the work is there and it's ready, you, you in the game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Nice. So, also, um, just thinking about it a little bit, what are your top five apps or, you know, programs that you have on your computer and your uh, phone that have helped you out in the uh, producing world? That I use or just period? Just use. Just to help out for my producing? Yeah. Uh, just GarageBand. I'm self-taught. I don't... Mm -hmm. That's all I did. It's probably like the only thing I probably look at YouTube is like how to mess with BPMs on GarageBand or something like that. Mm -hmm. But other thing, other than that, I did everything through GarageBand just self-taught myself. Yeah. So you put in your ten thousand hours at oh, YouTube no, 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 University? No, no, no. Oh no 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 no! I'm ten thousand hours in that. No 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 no. Mm. Nowhere near. <laughs> that's why. I'm, that's why. I'm that's the scary part. That's, that's why. I'm, but that that's the reason why I'm dropping so much. Like. You got cats who be really doing this forever, and I'm just catching. I'm trying to catch up to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, no, nah, I'm nowhere near close to the ten thousand hours mm -hmm. for sure. Okay, so where does that motivation come from then? Not being satisfied. Mm -hmm. Just not being satisfied. I always want more. Like, okay, I do this now. What can I do? That's why I was like, that's why I'm real big on the follow. Like when you said the snag and flavor, there's definitely gonna be a snag and flavor follow up. I want snack the follow up to be so good that you forgot snack and flavor even happened. So you know what I mean. It's one of those things. So how how do you want people to remember you? As me. I did it my way. Cause you gotta think about it. Uh, it's hard for me to call myself a DJ because literally I tell people all I do is loop samples and I just chop it up, make it sound like. I did all that because that's 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 the the people who I've been naming who I study, like that's why I was getting that from. Like when I was understanding the game, I was like, yo, they was literally just doing this when it sounded like they was doing all that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was just like I just want to be remembered as me. I did it my way, and I just did it my way. Like when it, like I said, I didn't like with DJing. I mean, I don't. Cutting and scratching all that. I just play music, I read the crowd, I just I just do this and I just do it my way and people respect it. I tell them what I do and I still get these opportunities and I'm good at what I do, so why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if I was young, know, yeah, if it was the end tomorrow, I just wanna be like I did it my way. Mm. Mm -hmm. So if somebody that comes out to a DJ no name show, <clears throat> what do you want them to leave with? I want. I just want them to leave with like they just got. They got something out of it. Like they just got something out of it. Like they got an experience. They heard something they never heard of. So now they found something new to listen to. Like just things like that. So I just want them to leave with to make sure they left with something after I presented something to them. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Okay. Another question. Uh, do you have a favorite like line or uh, do you have a favorite verse that that you've had <laughs> like somebody's rapped over your beat? They spit this one line that was just so crazy. Do you, do you have a favorite line? Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. So many lines. Uh, hold on. Yo, there's so many. <laughs> I can't even think of one off the mm -hmm. top. There's so many. Do you have a favorite song? Oh, Cream and Raymond. Mm -hmm. Cream and Raymond might be my all-time favorite. I like, uh, I like, uh, Mocha Joe's and Latte Larry. I like I like samba with Bambi. The, yeah, there's like a few joints like the uh, like the joint I got with Burns. Oh man, like there's there's like a, I got I feel like I got stay like one for all. Mm. Like one for all need to be the national anthem. Like you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like things like that. Like yeah. Okay. Do you have a one? One song that you want to shoot a video to? Oh my goodness. Cream and Raymond. Mmm. Cream and Raymond. Sorry, I've been had an idea for like from the moment we dropped and everything, and I just want to bring it to life, but definitely Cream and Raymond. I feel like Creamy Raymond is just one of those ones mm. out of my whole discography. Mmm. We got to get that one. We yeah, we got, yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. This is the last question. Uh, what's one question I haven't asked you that you wish I should have? That's a good question. I'm not, you know, I'm surprised you didn't ask me how many albums I dropped. Mm. Okay, let's let's go through it. Whole discography. How many <laughs> albums, and can you name them all? I can't, but can I count them right quick? Yeah. Count. If I pull it up. Go ahead. Let me see. Okay, so since Okay, so let me see. Digging deep in deep in the farm right now. Y'all not gonna believe me. Y'all not gonna believe me. I counted 42. <laughs> hey. I counted 42, so yeah. I'm surprised you didn't ask me how many, uh, I'm surprised, not surprised, is that you didn't, just didn't ask that. Cause I was like, I counted not, uh, a couple of months, I wanna say before the year ended last year, I just counted and I was like, yo, I really did that, man. I'm wilding right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 42, fam. Tell people when you first started, your first project, when did it drop, so we can kind of get an idea of the work. So, yo, you know what's crazy about that? Uh, way before halftime, I dropped something on SoundCloud, but I archived it. So, dang. It was something before that, but my very first project, official project, was Snagging with Flavor. 
So just revert if you want if you want an idea, just go to that one. That's the very first premier project of DJ No Name as the producer. To give people context, is that was that twenty nineteen? That was twenty nineteen. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. Yep. Dang. <laughs> Hold on, let me see, man. Hold on. <laughs> we going through the we going through the, the, the Spotify right now trying to see when that release date was. It was 2020. 2020? Yeah. Wow. 2019 was halftime. Mm -hmm. uh, December 2019 was halftime. And then, yeah, okay, yeah. So we going on, yeah, two year anniversary coming up. Two year Annie. Wow. Yeah, man. Time is a concept. It's crazy. So, 2022. Yes, sir. What's the goal for 2022? To be more intentional as possible, more purposeful with what I do. I feel like this is the 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 cook up year where I'm just like I'm not just I'm I'm not on mash mode in comparison to the past two years. Mm -hmm. It's like when I drop, you are gonna be like, oh okay, he not he not he not playing around. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things. Okay. Yeah. Thank you again. Can you tell people where they can find you on your social media? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, which is my name backwards. I'll spell it out for y'all. N-O-S-A-M-Y-R-A-G. That's Gary Mason flipped around. That's on Instagram and Twitter. SoundCloud, same thing. Bandcamp, same thing. Basically, everything I have is that. Now that I think about it. I was like, even Spotify, I think. I think even my Spotify, because I got playlists and stuff on there. Yeah. And can you tell us about your site? Yeah. Oh, of well, I'm lacking. DJNo.name is the website. More of my studio, like my solo joints is on that one. And select few collaboration projects I put on that one in comparison to Bandcamp and the streaming, of course. Yeah, and I, I do a lot of free downloads on there as well. I believe there's one on there right now. So yeah, DJ name. Check it out. Be on the newsletter. You nice. get free stuff for that. Definitely go follow him on everything, like you said. And also continue listening to the music. This is DJ No Name with Tulsa Lines Podcast. We out. This is Tulsa Line Podcast. Thanks again to Dr. Sando. Thanks again to DJ No Name. a special guest, DJ Sando with Tulsa Lines. Give a special thanks and shout out to him. Make sure you go follow him. Make sure you go stream all his music. Thanks again. And until the next episode, that's another wrap up. Take three. This is Tulsa Lines Podcast with special guest, DJ No Name. We want to thank him. Also, make sure you go follow him on all his platforms. Take four. This is Tulsa Line Podcast. Ando, your host, with our special guest, DJ No Name. Want to give a special thanks and shout out to him. Make sure you go follow him. Make sure you go stream all his music. And until the next episode, we out. And there you have it. Another episode. Another podcast for Tulsa Lines. Thanks for staying and listening. Hope to see you again. And for more great content, news, chances for giveaways, 
Sign up at www.tulsalines.com. And I hope to see you again.